A good morn to you, documentarians. This is me, Bob Sham, here for Documenteers, episode six. On this episode, we feature the return of Angela as we discuss a modern true crime classic by Aaron Lee Carr titled Mommy, Dead and Dearest. And this is the juicy one, folks. If you have not seen this movie, if you have an HBO Go account or HBO Now account or your cousin's HBO Go password, watch this film. Also, hat in hand, I've been giving you the wrong social media handles. I've been saying at Documenteers Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram, but it's just at Documenteers no exclamation point. Hit us up on there. Help us grow our audience. We hope you find us. You can also contact us personally at documenteerspodcast at gmail.com. That one does have the word podcast in it. You can support us by going on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and rating us five stars and dropping a little review. One day we will get some Werner Herzog erotica and uh, I will probably read it. It's just a matter of time. Someone's going to do it. Though they might not allow anything too racy. You can make it uh, maybe softcore. The podcast is also available on places like Stitcher and SoundCloud. Most podcast apps. If your podcast app doesn't feature documenteers, good job finding us. But you should probably get rid of that app because it sucks. The only one app, podcast apps, that have documenteers in them. Otherwise, it ain't worth a shit. All right? All right. Now, here is a motion picture film. A thousand feet. 16,000 separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. Pizza. Like how every soda was Coke. That's that's associated as a Southern thing, but no. and I think it was a stereotype. But that's kind of that's been gone for a long time. My babysitter did that. Like a Sprite was a Coke, and I remember. I mean, I was like kind of a smart alecky, like know it all kid, and so can't imagine. Right. I remember correcting my babysitter's children, saying Coke for everything. It's not Coke. Coke is a very specific thing. Literally got mad exotic for putting too much ice in my Diet Coke because I didn't get enough Diet Coke. We're real high class. <laughs> What's up, Doc? <laughs> hey, Docs. Docs on the next. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, you can hey, say docs. what you like. I I don't know how long I'm going to say that. Are you the king of the Doc? King Doc? Get on your knee. No. Bend the knee for me. I'm sorry, No. You're all revved up because you're excited about the movie that we are going to be talking about. I really am. This movie is about a subject that we've known about for a long time. Around the time, not too far after it went down. Did Pretty we much immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And this story, well, it's like one of those Russian nesting dolls. <laughs> 
Yes. You open one up and there's another one. And you open another one up and it's another one. Peeling away the layers of an onion. Until you get to the tiny one with like, it's basically a shirtless Vladimir Putin. (laughs) He's got a nice body. I just want to throw that out there, right? No comment. You can't give a yay or nay on Vladimir Putin's body. I know what his face looks like. I don't know what his body looks like. I cannot speak to it. Like a barely older man who's trying too hard. I mean, that's my type. We're here to discuss HBO. This is our first HBO documentary. Sure is. Our last one, The Voyeur, that we did together was more of like a soft true crime. This is straight up true crime. This is true crime plus. One of those true crime stories that just keeps giving. That's right. We're talking about the HBO original documentary, Mommy, Dead and Dearest by Aaron Lee Carr. This documentary came out May of last year. Yes. 2017. We watched it as soon as it came out. We have been eagerly anticipating this documentary since we heard about this story. We actually had a conversation where we talked about how much we could not wait for the documentary to come out because, I mean, as you've mentioned, there's so much to this story that we just wanted to know all the details. And this is the story of Gypsy and Dee Dee Blanchard. Yes. And there's a typical everyday mother and daughter team, right? <laughs> um, no. Did you see any of yourself in Gypsy or any of your mother in Dee Dee? I feel like that's a dangerous question. <laughs> I'm going to say... I figure it's a softball question because the answer is no. The answer is no, but if you talk too long about this, you really get into sort of a cycle of you really get can get into a conversation about relationships where there's control and basically person who's being controlled. No, I do not see myself in Gypsy, but I do know how easy it is to get into a relationship where you're pretty much letting the other person take the wheel. Not Bobby. Bobby's excellent, but <laughs> not my first relationship ever. And I do, I have been in a relationship before where pretty much the other person called the shots. It's not a cool place to be. Right up the top of this documentary, you find out that Dee Dee Blanchard has been murdered. This is a movie about the murder of Dee Dee Blanchard. Yes. And what happened and why? June 15th, 2015, Wisconsin police have a girl, they have arrested a girl from Springfield, Missouri. Yes. And her boyfriend. Turns out this girl is named Gypsy, Gypsy Blanchard, and her mother is dead. When she hears this information from the detective, she's very confused. She almost immediately starts crying. She, completely confused, acts as though she doesn't understand. We should say at this point, too, this girl looks to be about... 14, 15 years old. Very ambiguously aged, young. Very, very short hair, very baggy clothes, looks pretty thin. She says in a high-pitched voice, why did Nick hurt her? And then we meet Dee Dee. Well, we see some photos of Dee Dee. We see some photos of Dee Dee, including one where she's dead. I had forgotten how graphic some of these images are. So if you're very sensitive to that, take note if you haven't already seen it, but there's some, they show some stuff in this, some very disturbing images of, of Dee Dee. And if you're a very sensitive person in general, you're probably not hanging on this podcast. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> we see Dee Dee and Gypsy. She's in a wheelchair. Six years earlier. At a cancer survivor benefit. 
Gypsy sings a song, super inspiring. I assume it's a Disney song. I did not recognize it. I don't know some of the newer Disney stuff, but again, this was six years prior to 2015. So I have no idea. I didn't recognize it. I, In my memory, it's vaguely religious, but I could be wrong about that as well. Gypsy stops singing and Dee Dee says, you're the reason I was born to be a mama. That's so sweet. It is so sweet. Dee Dee's so nice. She seems to be. Now, this movie's going to posit that someone may not be a good person. And I say, keep an open mind, people. And they might not be as bad as you think they are. She was doing the best she could, all right? Because, look, on top of uh, Gypsy having all these health problems, there were Katrina survivors that moved to the Ozark in Springfield, Missouri. Well, that's definitely what they told people. And Dee Dee was treating Gypsy for several conditions, yeah. including leukemia, seizures, muscular dystrophy. She was tube-fed. She had asthma, epilepsy, paralyzed, retardation, anemia, incontinence. She had ear problems. She had eye problems. She had teeth problems. She had a feeding tube. You may have mentioned that. She was at a cancer benefit, so she... Leukemia. You're right. She couldn't see very well. Her teeth were weird. We're totally repeating ourselves. But there's so many things... That are said over and over again in so many ways. Chromosome disorder. There's a Facebook post. Yes. Can't remember what it all says. I wrote down the bitch is dead. And then there was an LOL at the end. I think it was like, I cut and raped that fat bitch pig or something. LOL. It actually, and this is important for what we'll find out later. It's actually something along the lines of, I stabbed that bitch and raped her innocent daughter. That's right. Yes. L- LOL. L- LOL. God, this is not funny. It's not funny. No, it's not. I don't know why it's you're laughing. It's not funny. Well, because... I'm so serious. I am very serious. I know. I think this. we talked about this last time, LOL. but maybe we, did, maybe we didn't because the last podcast that we did, it was not about such gruesome situation. This truly is a... You almost have to laugh because it's so horrible. It's dark. Situation. But it, is there a beam of light at the end? I don't know. Stay tuned, folks. (laughs) We see a kid. His name is Nicholas Godijan. Is he a kid? Well, I think he's in his early to mid-20s. Yeah, yeah. Godijan is straight up confessing to this killing. Like, Yeah, I did. Immediately. I did. Yeah, they ask him a question. He answers every question. No lawyer. Straight up truth. One thing that struck me about Godijan, right off the top, hot. Good looking guy. What? No, he looks like the biggest creepo. He looks like creepier than Gerald. Oh, from the voyeur. Yeah. I thought Gerald was pretty handsome, too. I guess maybe we just got different tastes. <laughs> Nick Godijan and Gypsy are in love. And Nick says that Gypsy told him to kill her mommy. And that she's the one that wrote all the Facebook posts. Think about that for a second. We go to a pretrial. Gypsy is walking out. She doesn't have a wheelchair, and her friends and neighbors are shocked. Gypsy's wearing a Mutz t-shirt. You know that comic strip Mutz with, like, the little cat and the little dog? hmm I think it's uh, drawn by Patrick McDonald. It's pretty cute. I'm nerdy in that way, <laughs> but I was jealous of that Mutz shirt. But, yeah, her friends and her neighbors, they're like, holy shit, Gypsy is walking. It comes out that her age is totally wrong. Seeing her walk 
and realizing that her age is off. People are questioning about all the things that they did for this family. Oh, yeah. That needed so much help. They were in a Habitat for Humanity home. They had Make-A-Wish send them places or other programs that they were in. They went to Disney multiple times for free. They had donations coming in online to help pay for all these medical bills and things that Gypsy needed. In addition to this, again, completely free house that they were living in. Gypsy is charged with first-degree murder. There's text evidence of premeditation, including a text that says that by Nick that says he has an evil side that's really into what they're about to do. I can't remember if he texts an eggplant or not. Godishon probably didn't know how to access the emojis. Maybe he was confused by them. I seriously doubt he had a smartphone. We cut to... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, maybe he did, but... As we'll mention a few times, he doesn't seem to have a lot of money. You can emoji off of Facebook. Oh, true. So maybe that. A lot of their messages were through Facebook. A lot of the communication they were having. We should mail him in prison, send him some mail with detailed instructions on how to select emojis and when the appropriate time to use certain emojis is. We'll print it out and mail it to him. So anyway, Gypsy's up for life in prison or death. For this, for this murder. We cut to Lafourche Parish, Louisiana. We Is that meet. how you say that? That's how I say it. Lafourche? Yeah, that makes sense. Lafourche Parish, Louisiana. To Rod. Rod. You got a, kind of got a crush on Rod, don't you? I do. In a way, like Rod is, seems to me, Rod is Gypsy's father. The most Cajun man in the universe. He has a great Cajun accent. Loves he, the boat. He's out on the boat all the time. He just seems like a really genuinely nice guy, like a good guy, a family man. As he talks about Gypsy, I actually wrote in here, Gypsy's dad, handsome, Dee Dee's ex-husband. Because <laughs> I do. I think, I mean, he's an attractive guy. He. I see you wrote out of Dee Dee's league. I did not write that, but maybe. Yeah. Although, oh, I will say that when they show some pictures of young Dee Dee, Dee Dee was, I mean, she was pretty. Uh, Claudinia, is that her full name? I don't think I wrote down her full name. It's either Claudine or Claudinia. But yeah, I mean, some younger pictures of her, like she was pretty. She's like a C-level beauty queen. Sure. I think you're saying that because there are some, some images of her at like a, sort of like a coming out party that makes her look very much like okay. she's. Wait, she was a lesbian? You know, like a coming out into society, young, southern situation. I don't know. I didn't have a coming out party. I'm not a rich girl. I have no... I, I, I you think, don't know what I'm talking about? You the, do because you've seen Gilmore Girls. That's right. I do think Gilmore out. Girls, they have a coming out party for Rory. That's one. That's a different thing we know everything about. But we'll, we'll move on from that. <laughs> uh, Rod feels like there is a justifiable reason for the killing. Yes. He makes that claim. Rod and Dee Dee hooked up when Rod was 17. I yeah. Think Dee Dee was in her 20s. He was very young. Yeah. He knocked her up. Very quickly. Dee Dee was claiming that Gypsy had sleep apnea within three months. It's straight out of birth saying that Gypsy has a ton of health issues. And Rod, he's just a Louisiana good old boy who wants to get out on his boat and cook some fish. He's like, well, you would know better than I would. Dee Dee had a history of caring for her mother. I, I want to say 
Somewhere along the way, I heard that she may have even been some sort of nurse's aide at some point. She had things that she could call upon to make herself sound as though she were an expert. She told Rod that, according to doctors, that Gypsy was not going to live to be 20. She made this little girl out to be very, very sick very early. At some point, Rod knows how old Gypsy is. Yeah. So on the 18th birthday, I think he he says he calls her, he goes over. And it's like, hey, it's Gypsy's 18th birthday. I want to say happy birthday. Wish her happy birthday, yeah. And Dee Dee is like, don't tell her she's 18. She thinks she's 15. He was confused by that. But again, he thought, well, my daughter is suffering from retardation. Probably been telling people that his whole life. I think Dee Dee told him she was five years behind where she should be. So if she was 18, he was under the impression that she was working at like a 13-year-old capacity. He went along with it. He didn't want to upset his daughter. Now, there's a video. Oh, God. Tell us about that video. So this video is very disturbing to me. I've seen this video multiple times, and every time I, it's more unbelievable. There's a video in the snow. Gypsy is on the railing of the porch, sitting up on the railing of the porch completely on her own. No one is near her. Dee Dee is in the yard. Filming. There are a lot of these videos that are set up where you can tell that Dee Dee has just asked Gypsy, what are you doing right now? Or tell the folks what's going on. This video starts and here's Gypsy up on this railing and she announces that she's going to jump into the snow. Watch me jump into the snow. And then she completely on her own, this little girl who is supposed to be either suffering from MS or paralyzed from the waist down, depending on who you're talking to, propels herself off of this railing, barely even using her hands, falls onto the ground, onto her feet, and then falls to the ground. It's about a five-foot drop. Yeah. There's no way that if she were truly paralyzed that she, first of all, should have been able to do that, could have landed in that way. Her legs are moving around. Like, I... Again, I don't know that much about muscular dystrophy. I'm not going to pretend that I do. But if... If she had these issues, she wouldn't have had the muscle mass to be able to land on her legs like that without seriously hurting She'd herself. Be straight on bone. It would be completely irresponsible for her mother to let her do that. Now, let me just uh, look at this through Dee Dee's eyes real quick. Yeah, she she jumped off that porch and onto the snow. And yeah, it looked like, it seemed like her legs should be atrophied, like no muscle mass. Dee Dee told me <laughs> that Gypsy has fat legs. It looks like <laughs> it, it looks like regular muscle legs, but it's just fat. Maybe she had fat leg. Oh, Bob! Did you fucking think of that? I sure didn't. There's multiple med machines for feeding and breathing, and Dee Dee had full control. This tube, she's eating liquids through a tube. Dee Dee could put anything she wanted into these machines. Yeah, this is oh gosh, this is actually from an interview that. Gypsy is doing with the director at this point. So she's actually from prison doing this interview with the director. And she has told her, you know, I'm going to be honest for the first time. And she starts talking about how she had no idea what her mother could have been putting into this tube. Because she could put things into this tube when she was asleep. This is her life from before she can even remember. Her first memory is getting the feeding tube. That's the first thing she remembers. I believe she was around three years old when she got her feeding tube. A hundred times between 2005 and 2014, they went to the hospital. Ugh. Dee Dee always did the talking. 
mm-hmm. told Gypsy not to move her legs because with fatty leg, you don't want to move your legs around too much. <laughs> she also made her carry a doll. She told her to stay calm and she had to stay in her chair. Gypsy believed her mother. She had no other person in her life telling her anything else. She was going to the doctor. The doctor was doing all these procedures. The only thing Gypsy knew to be a fact was that she could walk. She knew she didn't need to be in that chair. But everything else, I mean, this little girl was suffering from things because she was on medication. I mean, her teeth were falling out. Doctors interviewed in this film are both confused and amazed by what Dee Dee is pulling off here. There's a doctor named, they go see a doctor named Dr. Flasterstein. Mm -hmm. He underlies that Dee Dee's history is way off. Gypsy's leg muscles are normal. I wonder if he did any tests for fat leg. Doc says Gypsy doesn't have (laughs) muscular dystrophy. And he mentions in a report, it just goes into a file, but he mentions Munchausen by proxy. I've really felt that there was a sense of regret with him when he was doing this interview. He did consider reporting this. He put it in the report, but he didn't feel that he could go further than that because there's this real issue in the medical community where you can report neglect, but it's really difficult to get someone to listen when you're trying to report over attention. Opposite thing. It's, you know, Gypsy was over cared for. She was more than cared for. And a lot of times if you try to say that someone has Munchausen by proxy, it's not really believed because they can put all these other things up in front of you that say, oh, but here's all these doctor notes and here's all these issues that are real. And Didi, you know, is pulling reports, old reports. Oh, yeah. And he's, she saw that. She did. And there was a note. I don't know how, I don't know how long it was before she went back, but shortly after they saw that doctor and he put that in that note, she did not take her daughter back to that hospital again for years because she didn't want anybody else to see that note. Now, they interview uh, Dee Dee's nephew, uh, Bobby Petra, or Peter, it's spelled Mm P-I-T-R-E. He's cool. It seems like everybody in this family is cool but Dee Dee. Oh, yeah. And he he, he says that Dee Dee is evil. Yeah. He straight up says it. And Bobby also claims that Dee Dee was poisoning their stepmom. Dee Dee's father says that Dee Dee was an okay kid. He pretty much got her what he wanted, and he said that. With some regret, Dee Dee was running up credit cards. She uh, had bad check problems. Oh, yeah. And uh, they do think that she was trying to poison the stepmom, but the stepmom is fine. Yeah, Laura, Laura Petrie is, is her name. And she, yeah, she was sick, I think, for something like six months. I don't know if Dee Dee was living with them. I don't know how she accomplished that. But, yeah, she definitely, they definitely fully believe that she was trying to poison her. They say that Dee Dee's mother was similar. She was a klepto mm-hmm. and stole $4,000 from her grandma. My favorite thing that they mentioned about Dee Dee's mother is that she stole people's clothes from the laundromat. <laughs> and this is when they're talking to, you know, Dee Dee's dad and Dee Dee's stepmom, Laura. And they talk about how Dee Dee kind of went off the deep end after her mom died and how they actually believe that. Dee Dee may have starved her own mother to death. There is that theory amongst more than a few family members. When Dee Dee said that her mother was dead, the family thought she was lying because that's how problematic Dee Dee was. They also later thought that it was a lie when Dee Dee was dead. Nephew Bobby presumes 
much like Gypsy's father, that Gypsy was justified Mm -hmm. if there was any involvement of her in this murder. Oh, absolutely. And Laura actually said, yeah, she got what she deserved. Dee Dee was cremated. Yeah. And they ask what to do with the ashes, and her sister says, flush them. And the rest of the family, including her own father, uh, close relatives and distant relatives, all agree to flush flush the fucking ashes. Yep. Nobody wanted her. No one wanted her. You got to be a real fucking piece of work for your whole family to not care at all about what happens to you when you die. I mean, there's some relatives I don't get along with very well at all. But I'm not going to flush their fucking ashes down the toilet. Right, no. I I probably wouldn't get their ashes. Probably hand them to someone else. Prosecutors dropped the death penalty on Gypsy. Because things is, uh, there's some deep shit going on here. Yeah, when they show her in court, when they they say this, her hair has started to grow. She just looks healthy. Every single time you see Gypsy, as this process progresses, as she goes to these different court appointments, the farther she's out of the situation, the longer she's away from her mother, she looks healthier and healthier and healthier. The only thing I even noticed the whole time is that she wears glasses, but like so does everybody. Gypsy connects as she when she grows up with her mother, Gypsy connects a lot to Disney characters. Yes. And I would argue that this princess romanticized thing is getting old. I think it's a problem in society. But that's for our other podcast, Bobby Bitches. <laughs> but she's really connected to Tangled, uh, which is the Rapunzel story about. Yes. I, I think they they call they call her mother in the story, but I don't think she's I don't, really the mother. I don't know the name. I think it's Mother Something. I actually haven't seen it. Um, not Tangled, but I know the story, and she does compare that to being kidnapped and then held up in this tower away from the rest of the world. And doesn't think she'll ever be able to get out until this mother figure who has stolen her and is hiding her up here falls out of a window and dies. And then she's free. Gypsy would couldn't talk about personal things to family and friends. Dee Dee was always there. She mm. filtered everything. She interjected conversationally and everything. As Gypsy was getting older, Gypsy would say that Dee Dee would slap slap her and hit her with a coat hanger. Dee Dee is the Michael Jordan of manipulators. (laughs) There are so many videos where you can see clearly Dee Dee is holding Gypsy's hand all of the time. Gypsy talks about if she said something wrong, if she told something she wasn't supposed to, if she talked too much, Dee Dee would just squeeze her little hand and she knew she needed to shut up. So Gypsy's getting older Yeah, feeling sort of desperate. She's becoming an adult. At the time of Dee Dee's death, she is an adult. Yeah. Legally. Hormones are going. She's a teenage girl. And you add that, this repression, this Mm -hmm. prison that her mother has allegedly put her in. Yes, allegedly. Actually, I think it's pretty much proven that, look, I just, no one's arguing for Dee Dee. They flushed her damn ashes down the toilet. She got what she deserved. Wow. I didn't know you were so pro-murder. Hey, I'm just quoting her stepmother. I'm against murder. You're pro-murder. That's what's going to rattle the debate when we talk about true crime documentaries. I'm going to say right now, I'm not pro-murder. I am pro-self-defense. And I can make a pretty strong argument that that's what this is. <laughs> Gypsy, she is managing to find some elbow room on the internet with yeah. some fake accounts. 
she runs away with a guy that she meets at a sci-fi convention. They actually, yeah, they ran away to meet at the sci-fi convention, Vision Con. They jet to Arkansas. Dee Dee finds her. Within four hours. It doesn't, it doesn't say exactly how, but Dee Dee. I think there's an implication that they had a friend in common or she, maybe she found the Facebook messages. Who knows? She probably told, she's been training all her life to tell the perfect sob story. She probably just kept saying it over and over again until people gave her the information she needed. So Dee Dee finds her and the guy, calls the cops. They get back to Springfield. Dee Dee destroys the computer and threatens to break Gypsy's finger. Yeah, she actually smashed the computer and the cell phone with a hammer and said she was going to smash her fingers with a hammer if she did it again. She handcuffs her to a bed. A handcuffs her and apparently puts a dog leash on the handcuffs. I think, yeah, I think it's so that she can only go a few feet from the bed. Dee Dee then convinces a lawyer... She's declared incompetent, basically. Social workers show. I wonder who called the social workers because the family knows that Dee Dee's fucked up. Yeah. Well, the family knows Dee Dee's fucked up. I mean, the friend who Dee Dee went and found her at his house could have called. Gypsy could have called. Anybody could have called. The police came at one point. Social workers came at one point. But this isn't Dee Dee's first rodeo at the Munchausen's Corral. She manipulates the social workers perfectly. Yep. Rod asks questions throughout the years, but Dee Dee always has an answer. She told people later that they moved more north because they were Hurricane Katrina survivors, and that's why they didn't have any paperwork from doctors. But truly, she was moving farther and farther away from Rod. The more questions he asked, the farther she moved away from him and the rest of her family because she didn't want to be found out. And also moving away from other doctors who asked too many questions. Sure. She would also drive far distances to take Gypsy to the doctor. Eventually... Gypsy meets a bohunk man, Nicholas Gunnarsson, on a Christian dating site. Free Christian dating site, yep. At least they at least they were in it for Christ, you know? She called him her Prince Charming. Nick is head over heels. He's got his own issues. His stepdad says he ain't social. His mom is interviewed at this point by the police says that he's on the autism spectrum and he's been diagnosed with Asperger's. And though he's in his 20s, in his head, he's only 15 or 16 years old. Gypsy's warned by an ex. Mm. What does the ex warn Gypsy about again? The ex warns her that Nick thinks he's a vampire and he's into S&M. We don't know that he's not a vampire. Okay. Nick does like BDSM. He does. Uh, Gypsy goes along with it. He's also really good at um, making Facebook posts that are disgusting. <laughs> he really is. Uh, apparently, Nick had some legal troubles beforehand. He got busted for masturbating at a McDonald's for nine hours. Nine. Fondling and masturbating and watching porn on a, a laptop. Hours. Now, two hours, that's just that's Springfield, Missouri. Nothing to see here. But nine hours? That's like two hours too long. No hours should be spent masturbating in any McDonald's in any city ever. You're more of a you're more of a Hardee's. Masturbate at home. Oh wait, I'm sorry. He was doing it for the Wi-Fi. <laughs> Look, when you get in, in that free Wi-Fi for hours. Jeez Louise. Nick talks about how he has multiple personalities, and he at some point 
tells Gypsy that he tells her that he has these multiple personalities and says that he'd really love it if each of his personalities had a girlfriend. So Gypsy makes up different personas for Nick's different personalities, which is all basically on her side role play. And these characters are Miss Kitty, innocent little girl, uh, Candy, who's sort of the sex pot. There's, there's, okay, there are pictures of these different characters. Oh, don't forget Ruby. I'm getting to Ruby, but I just wanted to explain the oddness of, like, Miss Kitty looks like a little girl. Sure, it'd be easy for for Gypsy to dress up like a little girl, because she's got a bunch of little girl stuff. Candy, in the photos we saw, is wearing a hot pink bikini. Don't know where Gypsy got a bikini from. Ruby is a... She's sassy. She's sassy. She's redhead. She She's out to conquer the world. Likes knives. Ruby likes knives. There's pictures of you can go online and see pictures of Gypsy in her Ruby party wig. The first time I Googled Gypsy, that's one of the first images that came up. Like after I heard about the story, it was her in the wheelchair with Dee Dee, and then immediately knife Ruby licking. with the knife. Licking a knife. Ugh. What are your thoughts on knife licking? No. Okay. (laughs) The other thing is, I don't know how they were having this online relationship and her mom wasn't finding out. The only thing I can imagine is that at this point, Dee Dee thought she had Gypsy under control again. And she thought she'd scared Gypsy enough that Gypsy wouldn't do this. Well, you know, Gypsy, she's learned one mode of survival her whole life. Right. Manipulation. So she had to have been, whether consciously or unconsciously, Having to manipulate also her mother to get any bit of elbow room between her and her mom. Oh, for sure. There's an added bit to this that I heard in an interview with the director. Just thinking about this situation, I know you're talking about her manipulating her mother and sort of like finding these tiny pockets of time probably where she could communicate. Gypsy slept in the bed with Dee Dee every single night of her life. So Dee Dee thought she had 100% control of this girl. The only thing I can imagine is that Gypsy was waiting until Dee Dee fell asleep and getting up and having this nightlife where she's all these different characters and doing all this role play with Nick. Now, Nick and Gypsy concoct a plan. Yes. They're going to meet at a movie theater for the first (laughs) time. And I'm laughing because this is weird, but it's kind of funny. (laughs) Nicholas says that when he first encounters Gypsy, I guess she's away from her mom for a second, going to the bathroom. And Nicholas says that Gypsy grabs him, drags him into the boys' bathroom, and they have sex. And they, after they're done, they go back into the movie where they're going to see, what movie is that? Cinderella, the live-action Cinderella. I've never seen it. Neither have I, Um, and we probably never will. No idea how many Clint Howard's. That movie gets. We're just going to go ahead and say it's pretty low. Probably. I'll say one. Just a <laughs> guess of one. Just to be nice. It just goes to show, like, the lack of perspective or maybe how hopeful they were because they were so charged up with their love that Gypsy wants to have a scenario where Nicholas meets her mom and then they uh, somehow get along. She wants to try to do it the quote-unquote right way this time instead of running away. If she can get her mom to meet him and and like him, 
then maybe he can be her real boyfriend and it doesn't have to be a secret. But Dee Dee thinks Nick is a creep because they're watching a children's movie and he is a dude in there alone. It's the only time that Dee Dee was ever right about uh, <laughs> anything. Yeah, I also, tiny creep factor, Gypsy bought his movie ticket. This is a grown man trying to go to the movies to meet his girlfriend. I don't know if she had, the way she tells it, she was like, I'll buy you a ticket. You come and meet us. I don't know if he didn't have any money, if he wasn't necessarily into it, if this was her way of, like, talking him into trying to do it this way. Now, Dee Dee's been hoarding money because Rod is paying child support, and there are people that are helping them all the time. That's kind of that's a big... true. That's a big reason why I think Dee Dee is doing it, because it's essentially their income is charity. That's true. And But it doesn't... But why would Gypsy have money? Yeah, why would she have access to it? And how would she get away from her mom to buy this ticket? Unless she bought it online. But again, it's not like she has a debit card. She could be stealing Dee Dee's information. Who knows? We don't know about that. I just thought it was a weird side note. Well, this harebrained adolescent plan uh, does not work out. No way. They start rolling towards what they call Gypsy and Nicholas, Plan B. And Gypsy texts to Nicholas Godijan that the kill kit is by the door. Yeah, she says to him that she, first she texts him and says, I'm in, hun. I'm like something like 100,000% in, ready to do this thing. So again, she buys a bus ticket for him to come down a second time to see her and tells him, I left the gloves and the knife and be careful when you open the screen door. This was, this was premeditated. That night before... The act occurred. Dee Dee and Gypsy painted each other's nails. Aww. And then she messaged Nick and said, I'm ready for you. I even have pretty pink fingernails. Uh, Dee Dee, well, she eventually goes to sleep, but Gypsy said that she and Dee Dee had been arguing that night. Yeah, I think they've been arguing a lot. And that Dee Dee's last words to Gypsy. Don't hurt me. That's interesting. Now, I assume Dee Dee said that because she wants to guilt Gypsy. Oh, straight up. Because I'm sure Gypsy is arguing on behalf of her well-earned independence. Mm-hmm. Even if she did get away, she would go into the arms of a fucking sex maniac. But uh, but yeah. but it's, it's kind of fun to think that maybe because Dee Dee saw that Gypsy was tr- trying to separate more and more each day, maybe in the back of her head. She knew that karma was going to come crashing down on her head. Yeah, maybe she subconsciously picked up on this anger and aggression. So Nick Nick got there, and he texted Gypsy that he was there, and she went and hid in the bathroom so that she was not present while it happened. Uh, Nicholas, this is according to Gypsy, uh, stabs Dee Dee, and Gypsy says that, she hears Dee Dee calling out her name and screaming and yelling, help me. Mm-hmm. And we see more uh, dead body pics of Dee Dee, and it's more brutal than when we saw it the first time. They're, they're, it's, very, it's very disturbing. Gypsy says that Nick wanted to rape her mom's corpse, but Gypsy said that 
she got him to rape her instead. Yeah, I don't know if he wanted to rape her corpse, but I know they had talked about that as part of the process is that he wanted to rape and kill her. I don't know if it was rape and kill or kill and rape. But yeah, yeah, Gypsy said, no, don't don't rape my mom, rape me. Now, in an interview with a detective, the detective asked Nick if he had sexual contact with Dee Dee after mm-hmm. she was dead. And asked Nick, him in like 20 different ways, yeah. very specifically. Nick says that he doesn't like necrophilia. Seems like necrophilia is kind of a big word for Nick. <laughs> you word can of tell the day. he studied that word. Yeah, yeah. But then he says that he thought about it. Now, I mean, as far as the corpse fucking rape thing, that's kind of Gypsy's word against his. We have evidence of a murder and premeditation to that murder, but not so much of that. But then he said, after he said he doesn't like necrophilia, he says he thought about it. Have you ever thought about necrophilia? No. All right. Nick seems stupidly (laughs) believable to me. Like, he's just so dumb. I don't think that he has the capacity to make up lies about this. I believe what he's saying is at least his perception of what happened. I don't think he's trying to deceive anybody. I don't think he's trying. I don't think he has the capacity to make something up in this case. He is straight up, I loved her. She needed me to save her. This is what I did. Remember uh, when Bugs Bunny, he would encounter Elmer Fudd? And they would have an argument. Elmer Fudd would say something like, I'm going to shoot you right now. Mm-hmm. And Bugs Bunny goes, no, you're not. And then Elmer Fudd would say, yes, I am. And then Bugs Bunny would say, no, you're not. And then Elmer Fudd would say, yes, I am. And then Bugs Bunny would say, yes, I am. And then Elmer Fudd would say, no, no I'm, I'm not. not. And then he'd throw his gun down and run away. Yeah. I feel like you could trick Nicholas Godijan with that. I wonder if, the detect- if any detective ever uses that tactic when interviewing criminals. Now, they're in a hotel after the murder. They've taken off. Uh, ugh. We see some camera footage from inside the hotel room. Yeah, Nick's like eating a brownie or something. It's a little too relaxed for my comfort. Uh, yeah, Gypsy, giggling, a lot of giggling. A lot of giggling. Gypsy's holding the camera and says something... That made me barf up in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> and then I had to choke it back down. But she says, here's Nicholas eating a brownie. But later, he will be eating me. Uh, too much. She does, you know, talking about this, she says that she loves him so much and she was so excited. And they, the next day, hop on a Greyhound to Wisconsin and go to his mother and stepfather's house. She says she finally felt free, like she'd been let out of a cage. I bet. Nick's stepdad notices the wig. It's weird. But you know who else is weird? His stepson. (laughs) Yeah, his mom's name is Stephanie Goldhammer. She actually mentions... I guess the backstory that they gave his family was that Gypsy didn't have family that she'd been in like a homeless shelter before he went down there to get her and bring her back so they could make this life together. Packages start coming to the house, five grand in cash and uh, the murder weapon. You couldn't carry the murder weapon and ditch it between fucking Missouri and... There just seemed like so much better idea than the mail, the murder weapon with money. 
Yeah. I, you know, I couldn't help think when they're interviewing his mom and, and they're telling his mom these things, she didn't know what was in that package. She remembers a package arriving or, or, or the stepdad did. They remembered the package arriving. They didn't know what was in it. You also have to think about these people who, to be completely honest, probably don't have very high expectations for this kid, right? They just want Nick to probably stay out of trouble, right? Mm-hmm. And then he meets this girl who, you know, she wears weird wigs, but seems like a polite, nice girl. And then all of a sudden they find out that they've murdered her mother. These people are shocked. Like they can't believe that this is happening. You know, once uh, Nick finished a Goosebumps book and the whole family was really, <laughs> really excited. Oh my God. Um, now j- they get arrested. They get arrested. So <laughs> what happens when you mail knives to where you're taking <laughs> And, uh, well, actually, they I think they tracked that IP address because the Facebook posts about her mom being murdered, well, the stabbing and the raping and all of those Facebook posts were done from his folks' house on the shared Gypsy and uh, Dee Dee Facebook. Right. And I think that's how they actually found it was they tracked that. They're arrested and Gypsy ain't – she ain't being honest. Uh, a doctor who's being interviewed for the film – notes that victims of Munchausen's Bride Proxy tend to have a very limited capacity for reality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Gypsy is already prone to uh, Disney fantasies. She's now a young woman. She's really in love with her maniac boyfriend. She has no normal. She doesn't know what normal even remotely looks like. Gypsy pretty much says that Nicholas did everything. Mm-hmm. Nicholas, at least now at this point, um, we don't we don't hear him, no interviews of Nicholas in the documentary. No, no, nothing from now. But there's other things out there where he says that it was all Gypsy's idea. And, of course, it was. Yeah, it was completely all Gypsy's idea and all his action. And I know I joked a lot about uh, being, like, devil's advocate for Dee Dee. But she was a monster and and a unique and one of the most unique and worst ways you could imagine. Absolutely. It was probably Gypsy's life on the line. And it's kind of fucked up that, you know, she has to connect with this guy to kind of bring that to an end. Mm -hmm. But it seemed like it had to get fucked up before it got better. Yeah. We cut to Rod and he's wearing a Bob Dylan shirt. Rod seems so cool. We all want to hang out with Rod. We sure do. We want to go to Rod's house for dinner. He's cooking up some fried fish. I want some of that fucking fried fish, man. And Rod, now he understands that Dee Dee was a master manipulator who Mm -hmm. manipulated him, doctors, medical professionals, uh, social workers, probably police over the years. Yeah. But he can't help but accept some blame because. A father's supposed to protect his daughter. And you can see how a decent man would not have the capacity to imagine that a mother could do that to her own kid. Absolutely. I really believe these are the moments when he's talking about how how bad he feels that he could not have known that are so genuine. This is why I like this man so much, because I really, truly believe that if he hadn't even an idea for a second... He would have fought for her. You know, he would have tried to get her out of that situation. He would have done anything that he could. But he he believed this woman who 
in for all appearances to the entire world seemed to be doing a good job taking care of a very sick kid. At the end of the film, we see a surprise pretrial for Gypsy. She cuts a deal. Charges are greatly reduced from the risk of a life sentence. She pleads guilty to second-degree murder for 10 years. And she has to serve 80% of it. Yeah, 85% before parole. So she'd already served a year at that point, and they let that count as part of it. So the earliest she could get out would be 2024, when she would be 32 years old. I couldn't imagine her not getting out unless something bonkers happened. I can't. No way. No but, way. But Gypsy says that jail is better than life with Dee Dee. Absolutely. That's so depressing. <laughs> I mean, it's depressing, but think about it. She, for the first time, can be herself or figure out what that even is. It's got to be so hard. I hope, and who knows, but I, I really hope that there's some sort, that she has some sort of contact with some sort of counselor where she is right now who can help her work through some of this shit because I cannot even imagine untangling all the shit she's been told for her entire life. I tell you what, though, that prison don't cook as good as Dee Dee. I'm sorry. She gets to put food through her mouth now. I don't <laughs> think it matters what it tastes she like. She made the best liquid mush. Oh, God. Rod and his wife. Christy. Uh, get to see Gypsy. They get to hug her and they talk. Her tube hole is healed up. Yeah, she shows them. She gets really excited about that. Surprised Nick didn't try to fuck it. Oh. Says she would have suicided if she got sentenced to life. So that was a part of the big reason why. She <laughs> <laughs> suicide as a verb. <laughs> She would have suicided. If she, she said got that if she'd gotten live, she would have committed suicide. Her dad was basically saying he he sort of had wished that she'd gone to trial because he really wanted her to get nothing. And I really truly believe I really truly believe that if she had gone to a jury trial, that she would have been let go. True. But I also completely understand that she was scared to death. This was an out, and it allowed her to not relive this. She didn't want to go to trial. She didn't want to have sit there and listen to all this again and look at those photos and have it all rehashed. But the risk was there. That prosecutor is going to be leaning hard on all those texts and that Facebook post. That's true. But, you know, the whole reason that the prosecutor offered her this plea deal is because there were there is pages upon pages upon pages upon pages of backup. For all these things that Dee Dee said were wrong with her that were not wrong with her at all. I would love to be able to see more of that stuff. They were able to find so much documentation of all these different doctors and all these hundreds of visits. There's just not a lot of precedent for a case like this, but it would have been really interesting had she gone to trial to have to hash that out and to have something on the books as a decision in favor of a person who, as I said, was defending herself. But she's she's locked up for at least eight years. And Rod will always blame himself a little bit. But Gypsy makes it a point to tell her father that she does not blame him. She does. And there's a really sweet moment between the two of them where, you know, she still has her handcuffs on. But, but like you said, they get to hug. And it's a very, very sweet moment. She doesn't blame him. There's even some disturbing, just brief moments within that interaction where you can still see her going back into this very childlike 
stance. And that's kind of the stuff I guess I'm talking about when I say that I hope that someone can help her kind of work through getting out of that. Like she, she's a very small, she's a very petite person. But like at the end, he says something along the lines of, it won't be too long before we see you hang in there. And she turns and says in a very high pitched, sweet voice, like she used to, I'll be a good girl. Yeah. And it just made me, it wasn't creepy, but it made me feel for her in a way that I was like, gosh, I wish she didn't go to that place anymore. It shows that she's probably damaged. Yeah. What do you think is the, say Gypsy gets out, uh, she gets paroled. What's the worst possible thing that she could do when she gets out? Get back with Nick. Uh, he'll be locked up. Also, I would just say to she, part of what uh, part of what got us to watch this again was that we recently saw another interview with her. Was it sixty minutes? Twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. She is a very even in, in this documentary as well, but also in in the most recent interview, she is a very smart person. She is a very articulate girl. I'm sure that she is getting her GED. She only went to, was it second grade? She's like a second degree education. Uh, that comes up in one of the trial scenes. Second degree education. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. A second grade education. <laughs> I mean, I'm hoping that she's doing schooling and things like that. I believe that she could come out of this and have a very full life. She's only going to be 32. She could have kids still. I mean, from everything we've been told, at least so far, she doesn't have any issues at all. She's got, I think, you know, caps and fake teeth and things because her teeth did fall out. She wears glasses. But as far as I know, there's not anything physically wrong with her that would impede her from living a full, long life. I hope she writes a book. Now, Dee Dee's mother was fucked. Dee Dee was fucked. Her siblings weren't. Mm. But Dee Dee was. You think it's safe for a gypsy to have kids? Gosh. I mean, I guess when you, huh, that's difficult to say because you don't know the kind of crazy that Dee Dee really was. You know, we, no psychologist ever got to sit down with her and figure out what was going on. I mean, we know that she had Munchausen's by proxy, but what else was happening in her brain that made her that way or caused her to do that? She's smothered by her mother her entire life. Now she's going to spend at least eight years in prison. Mm-hmm. When she gets out, like, the most freedom she had was with Godijan going up to Wisconsin. If she's smart, she won't just try to be completely on her own. If she's smart, she's going to Louisiana. She's spending some time on a boat with her dad. She's slowly integrating into life. She's writing the book that I would love to read. Getting a goddamn tan. You know what I mean? Like, take it easy. She could go live with them and be completely fine. Get a job at Kroger's. Don't have any kids. Whatever. Get a dog. I don't know. I mean, you know, like, just try to live. My hope for her would be that she gets out and tries to live as simply as she can. And just figure out what she wants to do. You know? I've got a prediction. When she gets out, she will get out after eight years. She will get parole. We got to track this now for years. Yeah. Pregnant within six months. Oh. I'm calling it. I'm calling it. Got to keep an eye on her, Rod. We believe in you. <laughs> You're the worst. We should also mention that there was no plea deal for Go to John. Nicholas Go to John uh, was scheduled to go to trial in spring of 2017. That's what they say at the end of this documentary. He has yet to go to trial as we sit here in the beginning of 2018. He's not gone to trial yet. 
I'm interested to watch how that plays out as well. They do talk to him in that 2020 interview, and he is still very much in love with Gypsy. There is uh, some other things maybe you guys can look up if you're interested in this case. Yeah, a few things we've already referenced. There's the Michelle Dean. She's a BuzzFeed writer. She was also featured in the film. She has a, a, a long article called, Dee Dee wanted her daughter to be sick. Gypsy wanted her mom to be murdered. There is a Generation Y episode, episode 234, that uh, where Aaron and Justin interview Aaron, the director, Aaron Lee Carr, mm-hmm. and we find out a few extra things. That's how you found out that they shared a bed. It's really cool because he asks her, what are things that you couldn't put in the documentary? You got to understand, there was so much footage. Mm. So much. This this movie clocks in at around 70 minutes. It could have been an eight-hour movie. Yeah, totally. Could have been a miniseries. Most recently, and what kind of like inspired us to go back to this movie was the, as you mentioned before, the 2020 special titled The Story of Gypsy Blanchard. It features a new interview with Gypsy and an interview with Nicholas Godijan. Mm-hmm. But he just says it was all Gypsy's idea. And that he he just he just stabbed. That's all. Yeah. But get this: one of the earliest discussions of this case that was not printed or newscasted was a Sword and Scale episode. That's a that's a true crime podcast. Mm-hmm. Episode forty nine. This murder, if my dates are correct here, uh, occurred on six on June fifteenth, twenty fifteen. This episode of Sword and Scale dropped on July third. 2015. I don't know one of the first times I heard about this case. And yeah, me too. That's just a couple weeks after it happened. Yeah, and they were arrested on June 15th. So, that is like two weeks after. So pretty much if you're hearing us for the first time, if you're hearing this episode for the first time, it's probably because you know about this case. And you probably also know all these sources that we're talking about. Our podcast is very new, so everyone's a new listener. But if for any random reason you've never heard of this story or these sources, then whoo, what a wild tale you just sat through. But really, you should watch the movies we talk about. Really, really watch this movie. It's one of the best documentaries. Unless you don't care and just want to have fun, we accept that in our audience as well. We do not grade in this fucking archaic, old, worn out star rating. No, we do we do like thumbs ups, right? No. Put that thumb <laughs> back in your fist. <laughs> so what we do around here, get this. Instead of one through five stars, one through five Herzogs. Mm-hmm. Named after the official demigod of documentaires, Werner Herzog. Picture his floating head. <laughs> it's cute. I give it my one through five. You give it your one through five. Yep. We combine them. It's like a two-man democracy. Then we add that up, however many out of ten Herzogs. Mm-hmm. Usually when I say something is a five Herzog movie, then this is a movie where I'm going up to everyone and I'm saying, you've got to see this movie. Yep. You've got to see this movie. And I did do this for that movie, but I was doing it even before the movie came out because I knew this is a story that would just sell itself. And if you hadn't heard of it, you'd be like, what the fuck? And so I was coming in so hot and I had to kind of calm myself down because I know this story very well Yeah. before the documentary ever came out. Am I just into this because I'm into this story? 
So I'm trying to kind of punch holes in the documentary. Mm-hmm. But I got to say, I don't think it was a perfect piece of art. But as far as really well done true crime documentary, this was really good. Yeah, really, so, really good. So on my end, I got to give it four out of five Herzogs. What about yourself? I was telling people to watch this documentary. I was telling people about the story in the entire time leading up to the documentary. And even though, just like you said, I was coming in really hot, like I'm ready to love this. I did. I loved it the first time we watched it. I loved watching it now. I know love is like a weird way to say this, but I think it's because there's so many layers to it, because there's so much going on, it's such an interesting story. It's so unlike all these other true crime stories that we are always consuming. It's so unique that it's probably my favorite true crime documentary that I've ever seen. And one of my favorite documentaries. Wow. Again. Where, are you going where I think you're going with this? I don't know. Because I've been really thinking about this all day. Trying to punch holes in it. Just like you said, literally the only problem that I have with this documentary is that I wish it were longer. Mm. I wish there were more things. I wish that all the stuff that the director could not put in, she just put it in. I watched three hours of this. I want to see all of it. I want to see all the interviews. I want to know every little thing about everything. It's a great director. Edited very well. The story is really good. I'm giving Mommy Dead and Dearest five Herzogs. Oh. My. God. (laughs) We have our first five Herzog rating. So you take my four Herzogs, which I thought was very generous. Totally generous. You combine them with your five Herzogs. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, it's specifically within the bounds of true crime, this really is a solid movie. That's nine out of ten Herzogs. That is the highest rated documenteers movie so far. Woo, what a roller coaster. <laughs> When you're out there licking knives, be careful. (laughs) And get Wi-Fi in your house, for fuck's sake. No hours should be spent masturbating in any McDonald's in any city ever.